0: our sermons in Revelation and today we're in Revelation chapter 11 verse 14 through 19 but will you guys pray this first little bit for me and then I will read the scripture glory to the father and to the son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning is now and will be forever blessed are the readers hearers and keepers of this word the second woe has passed behold the third woe is soon to come Then the seventh angel blew his trumpets and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who sit on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshiped God saying, We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, who is and who was, for you have taken your great power and begun to reign. The nation raged, the nations raged, but your wrath came, and the time for the dead to be judged, and for rewarding your servants, the prophets and saints, and those who fear your name, both small and great, and for destroying the destroyers of earth. then God's temple in heaven was opened, and the ark of his covenant was seen within his temple. There were flashes of lightning, rumbles, rumblings peals of thunder, an earthquake, and heavy hail. You guys may be seated. As we get into this today, I wanted to start by uh, talking about this prayer that we pray beforehand in each and every section of Revelation that we've been through up to this point. We've prayed this prayer. And we do this as, as a way of reminding us who God is. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We are reminded that, that in that, all glory goes to God, our Father. We don't ever want to forget that. We get this prayer because no matter what is going on, whether you've had the best week of your life or you've had one of the worst weeks of your life, whether you feel good or bad, no matter the circumstance, no matter what's going on, the glory still goes to God. And all glory and all honor goes to Him. As we've been in Revelation, it's pretty tempting to get distracted from uh, from what, or rather, who is important amidst all the glassy seas, the seals and trumpets, the fires, the angels with legs that are on fire and stuff shooting out of their eyes and mouths, and I don't know, ears at some point, I'm sure. Like It's just, we can get so distracted by all that, and we get to set ourselves up each and every day to remind ourselves who the glory should go to, or we could say who the worship belongs to. It's not us. It's not some of the angels and some of the great things in the text. All the worship and the glory and honor goes to God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Then after that we pray, as it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. This is to remind us that there isn't an Old and New Testament God. There isn't just like, uh, 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 there isn't just one that does things a little different than the other, that there is one God, Father hunt, Son and Holy Spirit, and all glories do His name, and he doesn't change, and he will never change. The seasons don't change. Uh, they don't change him. He is the same. And in Revelation, we see that justice and mercy come from the same God. Every time we see this, we see it's the same God who gives us his grace and mercy that judges the nations. And this is a beautiful thing. As we come to see each scene in Revelation, it's a good reminder that God was, he still is, and he will be forevermore. We are the ones who get to be changed. And we do this through repentance. And the more we get to know God, uh, we get to see that he is never changing. And this, brings us a tremendous amount of comfort as we mold that over and I pray that the more we get to know God the more we will see and follow his unchanging ways that we can know that in a world this world is always shifting and moving and I pray that this prayer that we pray at the beginning may remind us to center us on God for now and for all time and then third we pray blessed are the readers. and keepers of this word. And this is a reminder to us that church isn't just something we do to check the box of religion. It isn't something you do to get your God points. We live by grace and by grace alone, and that grace is shaping us. But the grace that we receive, we are also um, uh, learning it from those in our midst. It's not just grace that we received, but we learn from the grace of others as well. The grace of God in other people. Sometimes it's easier to see the grace of God at work in someone else's life than it is to see the grace of God in our own. But when we see that, we're reminded that God is doing a work in our lives. And when we read scriptures in this setting amongst these people, we read it together. When we hear scriptures or sing songs or say prayers, we're doing it together, which leads me to think that when we're keeping the word of God, in a sense, we're keeping it together. We're keeping each other accountable as we just walk step by step with Jesus. There is individual responsibility to be sure, but we are blessed when we hear, when we read, when we hear, when we keep the words and we can be a witness to others as they're making an attempt to live out the Jesus life, the Jesus way. And this also means that we aren't just hearing. We, aren't, we, we also are, are reading as we hear. And we're, it's a way of getting into our lives, changing us, changing our desires. And now we also want to keep God's word as well. We get to hear and read and keep God's word. All three are meant for us as we strive to live for Jesus. And we've seen in the Psalms, and I'm hoping that like Revelation has is, is been, for me personally, an answer to a lot of the prayers in the Psalms. And I'm hoping that we can see in Revelation, and that we, what we learned in Psalms, the importance of prayer. This is what we get to be about, a people of prayer. Our prayers, even if we pray the same prayer each and every week, is not something rote or formulaic, or at least it doesn't have to be but it can be the cry of our heart. We want to worship Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We need to pray to be reminded that God doesn't change. And then we get to hear and read and keep God's word in his ways. And we are sustained in a way through these prayers by God's grace. And even as we get into Revelation chapter 11, 14-19, through 19, this scene of worship before the throne of God We can see that our prayer, that we pray each and every week, we pray together, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. In this text, it is or it will be answered as we get there. We don't pray this in vain. We don't just pray these things going, oh, your kingdom come, I don't even know what that means. We pray these things believing in faith that God can answer them. Even if prayers don't get answered right away, I love that Christians have been praying, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven for times past. And they will until he comes back. For centuries, this text, we can see the outcomes of all these prayers, all these answered prayers. And even if we don't know when this will happen, we get to keep praying praying we get to keep hoping and we get to see prayers answered and we will uh we like these here in this text when we see the prayers answered we will worship i was thinking about this this week in part because we're baptizing kathleen today if you guys didn't know that that's why the pools here we're not having a swimming party or anything like that so we mo has been praying for her family since she became a christian almost 20 years ago For the last 14 years, I've joined her in praying for her family. In fact, I was texting one of my uh, friends. that has been a friend for a, a long time. And I told him that Kathleen was getting baptized. He goes, I remember before you guys got married, we prayed for Mo's family, including Kathleen. And I'm like, yes, we did. And there have been times when Mo and I have prayed. Well, I'll speak for me. There have been times when I've prayed that I didn't think that there was any way possible for this day to come. Where I thought these are just wasted words. When I thought, there's no way that this family of Buddhists is ever going to become Christian. There are tons of doubts that crept in and tried to win out, but the prayers kept coming. We kept praying in faith. Sometimes we prayed for more faith so that we can actually believe the words that we're praying. And it's been a long time, and yet God has answered this prayer through Kathleen as we worship Jesus together on this day. Just, it just continues to show me through the text that we're in the power of prayer and then what we do when that prayer is answered. It also shows me the lack of our own understanding and the way things of God work sometimes, but we worship God when prayers are answered. And in, in our unanswered prayers, when we worship God for the answered prayers, our unanswered prayers get to continue on with maybe renewed hope and renewed um, faith that God can do these things. Because when the kingdoms and the empires of earth have become the kingdom of God and of our Lord, or of our Lord and of his Christ, he shall reign forever and evermore more. We shall have the same response as these elders. We will throw down whatever crown we're, we're wearing and we will worship. Who knows? We may be, even be some of the worshipers in this scene when we saw the peoples there from every tribe, nation, and tongue gathered around the throne. We may get a front row seat to watch the unfolding drama of our prayers being answered here on earth. Up to this point in history, The things in our future we believe by faith and with hope. We don't see everything that we hope for. We believe that this day, this conquering day of our Lord will come at long last. Always in God's perfect timing will he answer these prayers. And if we know, if we know Revelation, we know that there is still a war to come. That there's still some things to come. In fact, this, this starts off with the two woes have passed. Behold, there's a third woe. So there is more to come. But our faith is strengthened for the rest of the journey through this time. It may be difficult to believe that God will win, but he will. It may be difficult to see that our prayers would be answered. The prayers that line up with his will, but they will. Or that our worship Um, is justified by God's worth, but we continue to worship and believe in faith. All throughout Revelation, worship is interspersed. It comes and fits and starts sometimes. It's sprinkled in, and sometimes it happens with odd timing. Uh, Like I think this one here, it happens with long timing. This worship session happens after two woes and before a third. Hard times have just happened and hard times are ahead. But for right now, we worship the empires and the kingdoms of this world and all their idols, all their false worship are seen as ineffective once and for all. Once this all fades, worship of father, son, and Holy Spirit remains. And in this, there is praise for the destruction of false ways There's praise for the destruction of false idols and false worship. There is worship for the destruction that happens in all that stands in opposition to God and his kingdoms and the ways of his kingdoms. There is praise as the false life givers of our world make way to show that there's only one true life giver. There's only one who breathes life into us. The one who has come to give us life, but not only life, life abundantly. And we praise because we know God and he breathes his life into us. And for us, this is a great joy. Here we can see that we give praise to God for his great power. His power over Satan, over sin, over death. His great power over enemies that come against his ways. The nations came in. They raged. They waged war against God's people. But in this scene, we see that they lost because of God's wrath was brought down and now God will judge and God will reward. We worship him for his just punishment and his righteous rewards. We have prayed, if you think about this, especially going through the Psalms as long as we have as a, as a church, we prayed for justice and mercy over and over and over and over again. And as one theologian puts it, the maximum of justice and the maximum of mercy for, for with the maximum of mercy, for in the plan of God, righteousness and peace have kissed one, one another. We've seen God's justice and we've seen his mercy. We know that mercy is sweeter for we have tasted and seen the goodness of God. We have experienced his grace and mercy time and time again. And we know by faith that the wrath of God, the justice of God for our sins was absorbed by Jesus on the cross. Jesus went to the cross for the sins of the world to take them from us and give us new life, to give us new hopes and new dreams and new desires. God doesn't want us to endure the wrath of God that is to come. That is how great His love is for us. And Jesus traded all His right living for the ways that we don't live correctly. We have all sinned and fallen short of the God glory of God, but Jesus hasn't. And He has given us His life and His glory. Life everlasting comes through Jesus. And Jesus gives us the ability to worship rather than to be on the other end of this equation. The grace of God is given to us through Jesus is a great and costly gift that is free to us. As we believe in our hearts and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, by Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, we are given a new life. Our sins are taken away. We are told we are clean, we are sinless, and we are righteous. We receive this with the same amount of faith that we believe God's kingdom is coming to earth as it is in heaven. We strive to live out of this new identity that Jesus has given us, not because we have to, but because we are so loved that we want to please Jesus with everything that we have. And this is what grace does to us. It changes us, it shapes us, it moves us, and it motivates us to live for God forevermore. Grace is the opposite of religious duty. We do this because we have seen and tasted the goodness of God, and we want others to see and taste it as well. This is my prayer for us. Let us seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We can see that in this text that it is coming, and in that day we will worship. We will worship many days before in preparation, and we will worship many days after this time. But I want to mention one last thing before we go. We see that what was hidden and or stolen reappears in this text. In the, last, the last verse. Then the temple of God in heaven was opened and the ark of his covenant was seen within his temple. And there were flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder and earthquake and heavy hail. Around 587 BC, the ark of the covenant disappeared. The Ark of the Covenant disappeared from the temple of God. The Ark of the Covenant was supposed to be the seat of God's presence here on earth. It was was a a place where God met heaven and earth. The Babylonians came in in 587 and they destroyed the entire city of Jerusalem. They, They destroyed the temple. And since then, the Ark has not been seen. No one is exactly sure where the ark is, or where it is now, or where it has been, or even if it still exists. Except for there's this archaeologist named Indiana Jones. He knows where it is. He knows, and he can rescue it, I guess. But we don't know where it is. We don't have it. And if you look on the internet, there are a ton of people and a ton of speculation about where it could be or where it is. There are people on the internet that are more sure than uh, archaeologists are. But for now, we'll let it be a bit of a mystery. But this ark, this, this ark was important and central part of Israel's worship is restored. What was stolen by sin and death by the nations that come in and try and t- uh, tramp us down is restored by God's kingdom. The heavens are opened and what God says or what is unseen is made seen. This is a beautiful and wonderful mystery. See, as Christians, we're called sinless. I know most of you, and I've seen sin in all of you. So we've seen it in each other, right? And yet God still says that we're sinless. And I'm sure you see sin in me over and over and over again. There's too many amens from my family. So, But this sinlessness that is by the blood of Jesus is made perfect. It's made perfect perfectly seen for the rest of eternity because of the blood of Jesus. We get to hold on to faith until then. We get to keep our prayers until they are answered. So I pray this, let us keep hanging on to God. And we, as we continue on this long journey of worshiping him who is worthy all our praise, let us give thanks to the Lord God almighty forever and ever. Amen. Jesus, we come before you. And Lord, we thank you that in between woes, in between different things, there are times to worship you. You come and you show us over and over again that you are worthy. Lord, I pray that we may see that, that we may remember that, and that we may walk with you in that. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you guys